Go ahead and pull out your Bibles, something to take notes with this morning. Open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh, glory to the Lord Jesus. I'm going to need his mercy to get through this in a few minutes shortened time. It has become a habit of me to just try to do too much during one sermon, and today is no different, and now we have less time, so we'll be okay. We're going to figure it out. Praise God. Mm. We're continuing our series that we've been doing the last few weeks called Come Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who is the Holy Spirit. It was our first week. We've talked about the filling of the Holy Spirit. We have talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Is that all we've done? I think that's, that's three. Yep. Is today part four? I don't even know what number it is, but I know what the part is titled. We're calling it uh, Come Holy Spirit. This is the love of God. The love of God. The Holy Spirit. The love of God. Would you go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the Word of God? We're actually going to start at the very end of 1 Corinthians 12 and then into 13. And then we're going to read some of uh, 1 John 4, which will be on the screen, and then Matthew, is that right? 22. I think that's right. Well, we're going to find out. I know what I have to read is in the Bible. I just think it's there. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have. And if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. 1 John 4, starting in verse 7, says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. 
that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Matthew 22. Is that what I gave you guys back there? I can't see. And he said to him, Jesus responding to what is the greatest commandment? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that those loud geese would shut up. (laughs) And we thank you for your movement. We thank you for your presence. It is glorious to be with you this morning and with each other. Stir us with your word. Teach us. We were praying this morning as a staff, and Psalm 119 talks about the word of God is sweeter than honey. And so, Lord, we pray that the taste of your word would be sweeter than honey in our mouths this morning. I pray that we would be satisfied more than honey, energized more than honey, healed more than honey. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't say to sit down. All right, we need to talk about love. We need to talk about love. We need to talk about love because love, love is big. Love is big to us, you know, we're, we're all humans. So love's a big thing. Even if you're not a mushy type, love still matters. Love's a big thing. Love is a big thing in our world, right? It's a big thing in the world that you're living in. It's talked about a lot. Love is a standard, Right? That, that's how we measure something that's good. Love, love is a standard. Love is a goal that we ought to reach for. Love is a measurement that we ought to be measured by. Love is an aim that we should set ourselves towards. Love is a priority. It is a reference point for what is good and right in the world. It is a reference point for who is good and right in the world, right? So it's important that we have this important thing defined. Because when it's ambiguous, standard or ambiguous standards are no fun. Ambiguous measurements, ambiguous aims, that's not any fun. If this is so important, we need it defined. We need to know what love is. We need to know where to get love. We need to know how to express love. And we need to know how to grow in love. That's why we need to talk about love this morning. In the same way that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, 
And Jesus is the life. The Holy Spirit is love. In the same way that Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy Spirit is the love of God. In the same way that one of the names of the first person of the Trinity is Father, one name of the second person of the Trinity is the Word, and one, name, one of the names of the third person of the Trinity is Love. It is His name. The Holy Spirit is the love of God by which the Father loves Himself and loves the Son. He is the love by which the Son loves the Father. And He is the love by which the Son and the Father love us. Wow. We're going to zoom out a little bit so that we can zoom in, hopefully by the end of this. When we talk about God and we aim to understand God, we are not talking about a human concept that we then try to fit the God of the Bible into. We didn't come up with the idea of God, and then whatever any religion's idea of God has to fit in whatever kind of the human concept is of God. That's that's not how it works. It is not right to have a concept of God that is self-manufactured. And then use that concept of God to determine what you like or don't like or believe or don't believe about the God of the Bible. When we talk about God, we are talking about a being who defines himself. And therefore, our understanding of who he is must be defined by who He defines himself to be. He defines himself, and you take it or leave it. When we talk of God as Father, we are not first talking about a human or personal concept of what a Father is, and then that shapes our understanding of God and his character as Father. God is not like a good father. God is not like any of our fathers, good or bad. God is father. And because he is good, he is a good father. He is who he is apart from any reference to any human or anything else. God is a good father, and any way that an earthly father is a good father is a reflection of and a revelation of God. Not because God is like that good father, but because in that moment that good father was being like God. God is totally who he is as father apart from who anyone's father is or was. He is the first person of the Trinity. This is who God has revealed himself to be. 
So you can know him or you can reject him, but you cannot change him or define him for yourself. When we talk about truth, we are not talking about a human concept, a philosophical opinion, a sociological phenomenon, or a scientific discovery that then our religious beliefs need to be shaped by and reflect. Truth, in essence, is not an idea or a mystery. Truth first exists as an eternal person of the Godhead. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the truth. That's who he is. He is the word. He is the son. He is Jesus Christ. Truth is who God has revealed himself to be. So you can know him or you can reject him, but you cannot change him or define him for yourself. You cannot change truth or define truth for yourself. He is a person and he does not change. When we talk about love, we are not talking about a human concept. We're not talking about a human action or an emotion that is just a biological or, or physiological or sociological or psychological reality that exists in humanity in the natural world. Love is not of human or natural origin. Therefore, humans do not get to define love. God has revealed that he himself is love. Love is an eternal person of the Godhead. We believe that about the way. We believe that about the truth. We believe that about the life. And it is also true of love. Love is an eternal person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity. It is his, it is his name. Like His name is the gift or the promise of the Father that Jesus told us to wait for. He is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of Jesus. He is the Holy Spirit. Love is who God has revealed himself to be. So you can know him or you can reject him but you cannot change him or define him. So in the same way that as Christians, we would say the following of truth, our understanding of love, our desire for love, our need for love, our pursuit of love, our definition of love, our expression of love must begin at be satisfied by and be rooted in a person. Of truth, we would say that that person is the word of God, Jesus Christ. And of love, we say that that person is the love of God, the Holy Spirit. How are we doing? It's a lot. St. Thomas Aquinas said this, the name love, the name love in God can be taken personally. 
It is the proper name of the Holy Ghost, as word is the proper name of the Son. In John 15, Jesus tells us that we cannot bear fruit apart from him. We, we must abide in him. Are you familiar with that? He says that we are the branch, so we bear fruit. That's what branches do. But he is the vine. As branches, we are made to bear fruit. That's, that's what we do. That's what we're made for. It, that's what happens when you're a branch. But we cannot bear fruit apart from the source of our fruitfulness, the vine. So we're made to bear fruit. That's what we do. But we cannot do what we are made to do apart from the source, the vine. So hold that thought because similarly... If we look at 1 Corinthians 13, and we want to grow in love. If we look at 1 John 4, and we want to practice love. If we look at Matthew 22, and we say we want to obey the commandment to love. Somebody looked it up. Is it Matthew 22 or Matthew 7? Okay, I got both in my notes. I forget what was in Matthew 7 I was going to use for something else, but I cut that. But here we go. So if we look at 1 Corinthians 13, and we want to grow in love, if we look at 1 John 4, and we want to practice love, if we look at Matthew 22, and we want to obey the greatest commandment to love, we must receive the Holy Spirit. In the same way that as a branch, we must be connected to the vine if we want to bear fruit. We must receive the Holy Spirit if we want to love because he is love. And love is from God. If I want to grow in love, I need the Holy Spirit. If I want to practice love, I need the Holy Spirit. If I want to obey the commandment to love, I must have the Holy Spirit. Because he is love. And love is from God. 1 Corinthians 13 ends in verse 13 with the theological virtues. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. We discussed these theological virtues about a year ago. But what the theological virtues, what they are, is that they are virtues that we do not have in ourselves. That's why they're called theological virtues. They are, they are given to us by God. We do not have them in ourselves. They are what we must receive from God. Faith, hope, and love are not things we have in ourselves, but they are things that are in God. That God gives us to empower our relationship with him. To be in relationship with him, we need faith. We need hope. We need love. But we can't manufacture those things by ourselves. But he has all of those things. And so he gives them to us and empowers us to be in relationship with him. 
Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these three is love because love is a person. Love is a person. He is the Holy Spirit. Faith is given to us. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ, the Bible tells us. Hope comes by seeing the God of hope. But love is a person. Love is receiving the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of 1 Corinthians 13. He is the person of 1 Corinthians 13. And he himself is the more excellent way. He is the person of 1 Corinthians 13. And the more excellent way than eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts. We talked about that last week, right? We love the gifts. We believe in the gifts. The Father's gifts, the Son gifts, the Holy Spirit's gifts. And we want to eagerly desire the gifts because the Bible tells us to do that. Amen? But still, I will show you a more excellent way. The more excellent way than eagerly desiring the spiritual gifts is eagerly desiring the gift, the Holy Spirit, the person, the giver, who himself is the gift. Jesus did not tell us that the greatest commandment was to do miracles or distinguish between spirits or utter wisdom. All of these things are wonderful and beneficial and they ought to be eagerly desired. But he shows us still a more excellent commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And because love is from God and God is love... To obey the great commandment, we must first receive his love for us. 1 John 4.10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's how we fulfill the greatest commandment. And then as we become people familiar with the person of love, as we grow in relationship with the person of love, we will be able to obey the second commandment. That is like the first, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, let us, we also ought to love one another. We love God by his love for us. It's the only way to love God is to love him by his love for me. (laughs) And then we love others by that same love. We don't love each other in our own strength. We, we, We don't have it. Have you tried being patient? Have you tried being kind? Have you tried not keeping a record of wrongs? You don't have it. 
We love God by his love for us, and we love each other by his love for us too. I can only love him out of his love for me, and I can only love you out of his love for me too. I must know his love for me if I'm going to have any love to give you. We love God by his love for us, and we love others by God's love for us. And this, Jesus says, is the fulfillment of the law and prophets. And that is not just in the sense of the fulfillment of all of the rules. This is the fulfillment of the covenant. The law and the prophets weren't just rules. The rules came from the covenant. The relationship, the union, the communion, the partnership. In this, in this love, in the love of God is the fulfillment of God's covenant with us. This is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. That we would receive the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and in so doing, we become children of God. That's the covenant, right? Oh, you get, we become children of God. In this is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. We become temples of God. In this is the fulfillment of the covenant. The way 2 Peter 1 says it is that we become partakers of the divine nature. The divine nature is the same thing as saying God. We become partakers of God. How the heck is that supposed to happen? But that God would give himself to us. He does not give us love. He, he gives us himself. And we partake of him in his love for us. I think this might be the moment to briefly address a reasonable question in all of this. Is love possible apart from God? You know, what about people who don't believe this stuff? You know, like, is love possible apart from God? Only in the way that good is possible apart from God. So let's talk about good because I think that'll make a little bit more sense and be the door we could walk in here. People not walking with the Lord can do good. They can do good things. But regardless of a person's personal beliefs or intentions, every good and perfect gift is from above. Good only exists because God exists. So all good is from him, and there is no good without him. Romans 1 tells us, creation testifies to us about God's eternal power and divine nature, right? So you can call creation mother, but that doesn't make it your mother. It is testifying to you about your father. Similarly, good is a testament to God. Whether you do it or give it in his name or not. A person's faith or lack thereof does not change the fabric of reality. Good is from God because God is good. 
And so it is with love. Love only exists because God exists. Love cannot exist without God. It is from him and in him. Indeed, God is love. So where love is, God is. When you love and are truly loved, you are experiencing God. Whether someone said you did or didn't. So what does love look like lived out? It looks like a life lived in step with love. A life in step with the Holy Spirit. If only there was a Bible verse about this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Contrast here. I love, I'm so thankful when the Bible does this. Let's get crystal clear. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. So if you want to follow the Spirit, the flesh is trying to keep you from doing it. If you want to follow the flesh, the Spirit's trying to keep you from doing it. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Just common sense. Let's not make this too complicated. The works of the flesh, sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can taste the opposite. (laughs) Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. How's that taste? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You cannot walk in the flesh and walk in the Spirit. And you cannot inherit the kingdom of God in or through the flesh. You cannot stand for the flesh and stand for the kingdom. You cannot celebrate the flesh and celebrate the kingdom. You cannot affirm the flesh and affirm the kingdom. For these are opposed to each other. It is obvious that we cannot love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength without our flesh being crucified with Christ and being raised to a new life, lived by faith, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. 
To love God, we must live holy lives unto him. It, it, it's, you may not, it, you know, it might not be the easiest thing in the world, but it's kind of obvious. That's pretty evident. I think it's about as obvious to say that this is how we love one another as believers. We love each other by living holy lives and building each other up in holiness by the Holy Spirit. But what might be less obvious is that this is also the only way to truly love the world. We must love the world, not according to our feelings or anybody else's, but according to God's character. When you stand on truth, who is a person, Jesus Christ, you love who is a person, the Holy Spirit. When you stand on truth in the world, you love the world because you demonstrate and reveal the Father. You cannot love outside of the truth because God is love and God is the truth. Love and truth are not things to balance. There is no balance in God between love and truth. Because they are not separate things. Deuteronomy 6 tells us this. This is important. Deuteronomy 6 tells us plainly. The Lord our God is one. He is one. He is incomprehensibly simple. Because he is totally and only one. (laughs) All that he is, is all that he is. Every single one of his characteristics, as we would understand them, every one characteristic is all of them because he is one. (laughs) He is not difficult to understand because he is complicated. He is difficult to understand because... He is other. He's holy. That's what makes it hard. No matter how you try to describe him, it's like, you are not like me. And he's not like anything else. So you you can't really, you, you can't authentically, accurately compare him to anything. He's just him and only him and totally him apart from anything else. He does not balance love and truth because love and truth are not two different judges that judge him. These are not things that exist outside of him. He does not exist inside love and truth and he's trying to do both. Love and truth both exist in him and he expresses himself. And he is love, he is truth, and he is one. Okay, every day you are commanded by the world to love the world with the love of the world by loving with the world what the world loves. This is why we're talking about this. You, every day, are put under that heavy burden of having to try to balance love and truth. And what you are 
expected to balance is whatever on God's green earth somebody means by truth and somebody means by love. And that burden of balancing two ambiguous non-realities is not the easy yoke of Jesus. Your job is not to balance love and truth. Your job is to partake of the divine nature by being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what you're made for. It's the only way you can love God, and it's the only way you can love your neighbor as yourself. There is, <laughs> the word balance is not in the great commandment. So, you do not need to compromise holiness. <sighs> the reason that feels so good is because you don't want to. I know most of you, and I'm assuming the best of the rest of you. <laughs> but this is who we are, right? Like, you, you love God, and you want to love God, and so you, you, you are holy, and you want to be holy, because it loves Him. Your holiness is love for Him, because He is holy. And you love people, and you want to love people, because you do. Because you've been loved by God, so of course you love people. And he tells you to love people. And you love him, so you want to obey him. You want to love him, and you want to love people. And so you want to be holy. But then all of these people want all of these things from you. And nobody's saying it out loud, but what they're just asking and demanding of you for your love to count as love is to compromise. And you don't maybe sometimes have the language for it, but you feel it. And it's like, yeah, it tastes like that list of the flesh. But you're saying it's part of the list of the spirit. Something about this isn't right. I don't like it. I'm uncomfortable, but I'm trying my best. And so I'm going to give it my best shot. And somehow at the end of the day, I'm left wondering, my God, am I doing this right? Is this, is this working? What does working even mean? And how do I measure that? So I can know if I'm being a good lover of Jesus and lover of people. Oh, it's, it's a heavy burden. It's why your soul is weary and heavy laden. And Jesus says, come. Come, learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Take my yoke upon you, and you will find rest for your souls. Come and partake of the divine nature, the love of God. You do not need to compromise holiness to love others, because compromise is not loving, because the Holy Spirit is love, and He does not compromise. So compromise can't be loving if love doesn't compromise. Love the person, right? Love the person is not a person who compromises. You will not be Christ's ambassador 
by compromising the truth because Christ does not compromise himself. You do not need to figure out how to be God's appeal to the world by trying to be appealing to the world. You are God's appeal to the world by imaging God to the world. Love is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. God is holy. The Holy Spirit is God. God is love. The Holy Spirit is love. He is holy. And you must be holy. And you are not holy if you are in the flesh or celebrating the works of the flesh. We cannot be God's appeal to the world if the world does not see God in us. As imagers of God, the world must face God when they face us. Not because we are God, but because we are imagers of God. And we cannot be the appeal of God to the world if all the world sees in us is itself. As you navigate the challenges of this culture and the compromise that it demands of you that it calls love, find security in our Father. Fix your eyes on Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit. God does not and will not judge your love for him or your love for others by the standards of the world or of the flesh. He does and will judge according to the standard of himself. Now we know who the judge is. So now we can just focus on the judge's standard. And anybody else who tells you they are your judge, they are wrong. And so you don't need to please them or measure yourself by them. You are free to love them. We receive the righteousness of Christ by receiving Christ. Because Christ is the standard. This is why your good works don't cut it. Because what he's after is righteousness. And only he's righteous. So he let us become partakers of the divine nature and receive his righteousness. Praise God. And we must receive the love of the Holy Spirit by receiving the Holy Spirit. Because love himself, the person, is the standard of love. We do not aim for the world to be reconciled to us. We appeal to the world to be reconciled to God. We do not offer our righteousness to the world. We offer Christ's righteousness to the world. And we do not offer our love to the world. And we do not offer the world's love to the world. We offer the love of God to the world. You are constantly being pulled to live this way and that way. But there is a better way. You can jump through every hoop demanded of you and still be a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. That's that sound you hear when you're wondering at night by yourself, like, I thought I did a good job. Why is it so clangy? 
Why did it taste like that first list? There is a more excellent way to live. And it isn't finding a spiritual power or moral superiority, or cultural acceptance, political correctness, or personal fulfillment. All of that will pass away. But love never fails. Live in him. Live in him. This is the still more excellent way. Don't live being pulled this way and that way. Live this way. Live in him. Live in him. Adopted by the Father. Abiding in the Son. Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Just do that. And he will be your judge in the end. And he has given you himself. Praise the Lord. Not sure what we're supposed to do now because it's 1132. Why don't you guys come up and do the song? I'm going to pray, and you can leave if you want to, or you can stay and worship and have people pray for you. Does that sound good? Why don't you stand? Prayer team who's available to stay, come on up. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Which means we thank you for yourself, O oh God. We thank you for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Son. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for this salvation. Like Psalm 51 said, Lord, I pray, God, that the fruit of all of this today would be a restored joy of our salvation. We are saved from sin. We are saved from our flesh. We are saved from the yoke of the world. We are saved from ambiguity. We are partakers of the divine nature. By the glory of your promise, O oh God, would you let us be partakers of you? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and create clean hearts in us. Purge us like hyssop and we will be clean. Come and strengthen us. Strengthen us not by goosebumps and feelings, but strengthen us by yourself, O Holy Spirit. And teach us to love you by teaching us who you are. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let us know you. Would you pour out your love on us that we might love you and love our neighbor? In Jesus' name, amen. You can stay in worship if you like. You can head out if you need to go.